Hi, I'm Amanda Rose Smith, and you're listening to the Sound Architect Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Sound Architect Podcast. I am Sam Hughes, and I am joined today by Amanda Rose Smith. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. No problem. It's an honor. And you've worked on all sorts of areas of audio. You've done music, you've done sound design, Foley, ADR, and it's all been across various mediums, including TV, film and games. You know, how, how did this career in audio begin? Well, you know, I started actually as a composer. Um, that was my major in college. I was a musician. Um, originally, I didn't know a lot about the tech stuff, and I started getting into it uh, to record my own music. And as I started doing that, I realized that I liked it just as much as I liked composing. Um, I've, I've always been a giant nerd, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a key component of being into audio itself, I think. <laughs> definitely. I definitely agree with that. So would you say there was a, a kind of big turning point or maybe a big break that kind of launched your career into audio? Hmm, let's see. Um, it's been a very, very kind of windy road. I guess moving to New York City was definitely a help there. Um, I originally came here to go to NYU to get a master's in music technology. Oh, nice. And um, yeah, yeah, I figured, you know, it was, it was one of those things where I graduated, you know, with a music degree and I thought, oh, well, uh, now that I'm actually going out, into the world and it was right around that time where the u.s had that recession too you know about 2008 oh, <laughs> and i was like uh hmm not a lot of call for musicians perhaps i better <laughs> get some other skills too and like i said i ended up really liking the recording and and all of that stuff uh just as much so while i was at nyu i sort of i started dipping my toe in a lot of different areas and you know i worked in live sound for a little while and i really liked that but I thought, you know, the hours on that are, they're really long and you're always working when all your friends are having fun. And, yeah. and I thought, well, you know, let's think about doing some studio work. And originally, because I did film composition as a musician, I went to film first and I love film, but I also love playing video games. And awesome. along the way, somebody said, well, you know, maybe you should check this out. It's kind of an emerging field. And uh, at the time, there was only one class in it. At oh, NYU wow. now they have like a whole specification. Yeah, I know it's it's really it's really come a long way. Um, and I went into that as well, and I started working with Jory Prum, who unfortunately yeah. uh, passed away. May he rest in peace. About a year. Yeah, and he was um, something of a mentor to me. He he was just the smartest, probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And uh, he really got me excited about the game world and getting into all of that. So from then onwards, was that your kind of first main position, would you say, within a studio was with Yuri? Um, well, you know, what's funny is that he actually, we've never been, ba we were never based in the same place. I've been in uh, New York this whole time and he was out on the West Coast. And mostly what I would do for him is editing audio material. So he would record in the studio and then he would send off to me and I would do some of that. But I've always, you know, I've tried to keep my toe in a lot of different places. So, you know, as you said, I sort of have this cross industry thing going on. You know, I work in um, film and then I also do some game work and then I also do some animation work and I do a lot of audiobooks too. That's one of my big things. Oh, cool. Because um, that's a really growing industry these days, what with Audible and everything like that. Yeah. It's kind of making a return, isn't it? It kind of came out when it was on CD. Yeah. Um, and now with all the apps and everything, they're like, oh, let's go back to that. Yeah, and it's it's really convenient, you know, especially for um, people commuting, 
you know, it's, I remember one of the first audiobooks I ever listened to was Great Expectations, which I had oh, wow. for a summer reading. Yeah, I had a summer reading assignment um, in high school. And my mother and I were going on a cross country trip. So we got the audiobook. And it must have been something like 15 CDs. You know, we had to put it in the trunk. <laughs> and every time, you know, every time we, we ended a CD, we'd have to sort of pull over and then we'd go back and we'd pull out the next uh, one. Awesome. Um, it was this little two-seater car, so not a lot of room. Uh, <laughs> but now, you know, you have these you have these books. It doesn't matter how long they are. They just all can fit on your phone. Yeah, it's awesome. I can imagine it being um, even more useful in the States. I mean, here in the UK, our drives are never really much longer than, you know, about five or six hours maximum in one journey, you know? <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, you know, it's not necessarily just on a long drive. A lot of times people on hour-long commutes or wherever they're, I think we drive a lot here. I mean, not where I am because I'm in New York and nobody nobody really drives here, but still on the train and all of that. It's really, it's really exploded. I read something the other day that said that they're starting to outsell print, which oh, I thought really? was amazing. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's one of the little, that's one of the sort of genres I'm in. And I try to stay in all of them because I figure they all sort of use different parts of your skill set, you know, as an audio engineer. And also they're all different industries. So yeah. if one has a dip or if something changes in one, it won't necessarily affect me that much because I have different things going on in different genres and I feel like that's one of the ways I've been able to be able to work in audio full-time um, as a freelancer I was gonna say definitely as a freelancer it's it's good to have a broad a broad skill set yeah absolutely and uh, even though they're they're different skills you know you can learn a lot from each area to lend to the others can't you absolutely um, you know a lot of the game work I've done has been dialogue specific yeah and it really helped that I'd worked on a couple hundred audiobooks before I started doing that. Um, so I, you know, I was really familiar with the voice and how it should sound and how to make it natural. And but the styles are a little bit different cross genre. Like for instance, in audiobooks, it's a very natural feel. You don't edit out breaths. You know, you want it to sound like a person who's you know telling you a story. Yeah. Whereas in games and also in animation. Any sound you hear, they animate, Yeah, you know? So if you leave a breath in or anything like that, it's going to affect the visual. So you have to, it has to be on purpose. So if they, if they don't want to, you know, animate that breath, then you got to take it out. Um, and that's, that's sort of a different, different feel that I hadn't thought of. And also like in the, in the earlier days of games and not so much anymore, but when their memory, um, limit was oh, totally issue. you know you have to cut right to the edge of each word and you know and I screw the breaths like <laughs> yeah yeah and that's that's it's you're right it's less true than it was but it's definitely it's definitely still true that you want to get those files as small as you can possibly make them but these days the acting is so important that it, it's it's very much a you're you're sort of working on both ends where you want it to be small but you also want it to sound very true to life yeah and people are focusing a lot more on the acting these days especially when you, you know we all know some of the horror stories of the early voice acting in, <laughs> uh, in video games and you know it was more of a i think we need voice in this let's just put some voice in it and now it's like right we want someone who can deliver a good 
um, performance for the narrative and you know really sell yeah. the story yeah i mean it's it's high art i mean to some degree it always was but now especially i think with the more leeway computers give us and the more game i mean games are not i mean even when i was you know i'm younger than a lot of the people in the industry and older than some but when i was a kid um i do feel that there wasn't this there was a little bit of a stigma to games you know yeah. like there were a certain group of kids that played a lot of video games and other kids who didn't you know and i was definitely in the did category <laughs> and, yeah, me and, too. <laughs> and now um they're almost ubiquitous you know everybody plays a video game of some sort even if it's just on their phone yeah it's amazing how you know with this stigma though um, some people cling on to that and they won't admit that they're a gamer if they play games on their phone, for example. They're like, oh, yeah, but it's not like, a, you know, like the nerdy people who play on their consoles. <laughs> it's different. Yeah, and it, yeah it's, they don't realize that that's exactly it's true. Like my mom, you know, she plays Farmville. I'm like, well, guess what? Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I think that's great. And yeah, I think as time goes by, the stigma goes away. And you have a little bit on both sides where you also have the people who've been kind of diehard who don't maybe like that it's becoming less exclusive now and you know so that's yeah. that's another side of that oh yeah that's that kind of the opposite side of the coin isn't it some people are like no games was our thing and now everyone's thinking it's all cool yeah <laughs> so would you say you had a preferred area of audio as you've gone along like you know you kind of preferred the music side or preferred the dialogue side or do you just kind of enjoy it equally um you know it's there are different parts of me you know, they really are. I, as a musician, you know, I still compose. That's actually what I'm doing today as I'm scoring a short film, but it's sort of a different hat, you know, and it's a different kind of skill set. And I enjoy going back and forth. I think one of the best things about being a freelancer is the variety and that I get to do different things almost every day. Yeah, yeah. I think that for people who really like problem solving and, um, sort of stretching themselves creatively, it's important to be able to have a lot of different avenues of doing that. Um, dialogue, you know, and, and the voice in particular, I have a real soft spot for that in general. And I've worked with that across industries, you know, in games, like I said, I've done a lot of dialogue. And I also voice direct for animation. I've done a lot of ADR recording for film. So one thing that does seem to follow me around across all those different things is the voice. Um, <laughs> For whatever reason, it's just something that I've gravitated towards and I, I really enjoy editing and um and mastering and doing all of that to to the voice. And music for me is kind of a separate thing where um I do that as a sort of larger macro creative thing, I guess. Yeah. So I've done music for, for a few games and music for film and and but I sometimes I won't even do them on the same day. You know, it's it's like such a completely different part of my brain, I feel like. But yeah, I can't really pick. It's like asking me to pick a child, you know. I can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't really pick which one I like better. They're just different, and they satisfy me in different ways. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned the the ADR work that you've done on TV. You've worked on some some really cool stuff, like Orange Is the New Black and and The Good Wife. Yeah, and, and so, some yeah. some awesome stuff. And you know, I think one of the the key questions I wanted to ask is, especially as a freelancer, and it sounds like you've been a freelancer practically since the beginning. Is 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 how do you get those gigs? How do you build up the rapport from from scratch? Oh, that is such a tough question. I know, right? Sorry. Everybody <laughs> wishes they had the answer to. Um, 
you know, connections. I think that it's important to live in a place where a lot of connections can be made. I mean, for yeah. me, living in New York City has been really important. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, you can do work from anywhere. And to some degree, that's true. But you still have to be in the position to meet the people that you need to meet. Yeah. And I think that location is a big part of that. Um I have been freelance to some degree my entire career, but there have been certain gigs I've had. I worked for about five years at a Midtown studio, and that's where I started doing some of that TV work, like you mentioned on Orange is the New Black and um, and The Good Wife and all of that. And then when, you know, when I did go fully freelance after leaving that studio, some of those contacts that you make, you know, they follow you yeah. or they, you know, if they, people like working with the people they like working with um so and they like working with their friends yeah. you know i mean skills are are really important but they're kind of the default like of course you can do the work is kind of the attitude and then after that do we have fun you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because no because people people want to have fun so I, I try when i work with somebody i try to make it a pleasant experience i try to let them know that i care about their work and that i care about them being happy yeah and it's got to be genuine and i think that if you come from a place like that people come back and that's it isn't it you know everyone's got a job to do but there's no reason to make it harder for anyone yeah i mean i i always say give people the benefit of the doubt like say if you think somebody made a mistake or they if something's you know a lot of times people are very concerned with oh well it's not my fault it's not my fault and i get that yeah but at the same time, sometimes in your language, if you can say something like, oh, well, this appears to be this way. Do you know what the cause of that might be or something like that? Like, I always try to to promote an atmosphere of we're all on the same team working toward a common goal. And I think in general, you know, I've always appreciated that when people have done that with me. And I hope other people appreciate that, too. And that seems I think that's a big factor in being able to keep freelance work going. Yeah, definitely. Um, that sort of ties in nicely with my next question, actually, um, which is uh, what would you consider to be your biggest challenge throughout your career so far? Oh, boy. Um, well, possibly one of the reasons why I love working on dialogue so much is that I am a perfectionist. I'm the kind of person who will take something and just tweak it forever and ever and ever. <laughs> um it's probably a big part of why i wasn't in live sound for very long yeah <laughs> um, because it was just you know it's all quick and dirty and i was doing monitors too which means that i was doing the mixes for the musicians on stage yeah. and the monitor engineer what they primarily do is they make sure that the musicians can hear because it's so loud and you know in venues that they can hear themselves and the people they need to hear to stay in time you know and give a good performance and that they can do that without there being any feedback created. Yeah. Um, so you're constantly notching out frequencies and doing all this and that. And uh, I always tell people the worst day of my career was I was doing that for a bluegrass band at a venue here in town. Cool. And we had this nice long two-hour sound check. And, we, you know, these acoustic instruments with these large diaphragm microphones, you can really get a lot of feedback. So it took a while to notch all that out. And we finished and we go off for dinner and this was a digital board. Um, and it's important that I mention that because when I came back <laughs> five minutes before the show, somebody had deleted my snapshot. Oh my God. 
that's making yeah. me cringe inside already i'm not yeah <laughs> i'm not even going through it and i'm like oh no yeah and um in this particular venue the monitor desk is on the stage and it was an 800 person venue so i'm oh on that God. stage i have 800 people <laughs> looking at me and you know and it took me it took me three songs so about 15 minutes to get it oh, back man. um because i had to do it all from memory yeah, of course yeah uh, and people were booing and it was just like the most stressful high you know high pressure awful situation yeah, life life wasn't in. for me either i'll be honest <laughs> like <laughs> i did life sound for a bit myself but no i think i'm nice and happy with my with my studio setup and getting to look at it a few times and <laughs> yeah i mean it was um you know, and it was the band. They were great. They took me out for a beer afterwards, and they they were totally cool about it. And once those three songs were over, you know, everything went fine. But um, I just realized that you know my nerves were not meant. Yeah, yeah the stress is too much. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine these like stadium gigs where things go wrong or anything. Oh, yeah, cringe. And uh, but I will say that doing live sound early in my career like that. Um, it gave me a really solid sense of signal flow. Yeah. So later on, when I had other situations that were stressful, you know, when you're doing, for instance, ADR for a show like Orange, where we're doing, you know, we're doing a time code lock. Um, well, they didn't do that so much. But other shows, like maybe The Good Wife, we would do a time code lock with a studio in L.A. Yeah. Um, so you're dealing with sending time code and making sure that they're locked to you. And then you have the talent here and then you have like three producers on the phone over there. Um, and, you know, making sure the codex match and all of that. Man, so much that potential. Get, <laughs> yeah. And that stuff, especially with those high profile shows, you know, they're paying a lot of money hourly and the deadlines, you know, ADR is usually being done for a show that, you know, it's one thing if it's a Netflix show, like, uh, like Orange, which the scheduling is different, but when it's um, a network show, like say a Good Wife, uh, usually that episode is on next week. Yeah, you know, so it's very important that everything get done quickly. And having gone through some of those stressful situations, you know, in live sound, I think it really helped me be on the ball. Yeah, for those other kinds of sessions where, if something, excuse me, if something wasn't getting through. I could sort of get in a headspace where I could very quickly and calmly figure out why. Yeah, you've had like the end spectrum of stress. So this yeah. is not as bad. Um, and just sort of <laughs> speaking to the point earlier about um, making work environments pleasant, another thing that I learned in Live Sound uh, was that talent and producers, they smell fear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. If you're not sure what's going on, you know, or if you're feeling kind of panicky, if there is a signal issue, pro you know, problem and, and you're like, oh, why isn't it going through? You have to learn to keep a very calm, pleasant exterior yeah. throughout that. Because the problem is even once you fix the problem and everything's going fine, if you introduce that kind of insecurity to people who maybe don't understand the technical things that are happening, Say if it's an actor, a performer, yeah. a musician, it affects their performance because now they're insecure. And if it's a producer, it affects their feelings because they're responsible for making sure everything's perfect. And if they think it might not be, and especially if they think if there's something like an audio issue, which they don't completely understand, and now they think maybe it's not going well, but they don't know enough to judge whether it is, yeah. you know, it makes them, it makes them worry. So 
your job as an engineer is to be able to fix those problems and make everybody else stay calm and not really know that there is a problem yeah as soon as you introduce that uncertainty that's when they're all like uh, okay what so what's happening yeah absolutely <laughs> on the flip side then what would you say has been the proudest moment so far oh so many that's a good problem to have <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i just love you know i love my work i really do and there have been a lot of things that I've been really proud of. I think Orange is one thing, you know, the whole second season, I did ADR in every episode, and that was an amazing experience. And I love the show and I love the actors. Um, though, the, working on um, Telltale's Walking Dead, yeah, um, particularly this season, the first season was amazing, you know, and we won awards for that and yeah, it was awesome. that was really exciting. Yeah, I loved I loved it and I played it through myself too and I loved, you know, it was just that was so much fun. Um those are probably the two that stick out the most for me, I think. Yeah, awesome. And you've worked on as we've already said so many varied types of projects. Is there like a, a franchise or genre that you haven't done yet that you'd love to work on? Hmm. Let's see. Like a particular industry or like well, for example if there's a particular show franchise or game franchise that you'd love to work on or a certain type of genre that you haven't worked on for example horror or you know any kind of action movie or something uh, i would i would like to work on an action movie um i would probably sell somebody close to me to work on doctor who <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> let's see um, in any yeah, capacity you know, just like <laughs> almost any yeah pretty much i mean i i'm a huge fan of uh murray gold's music i yeah. think that it's been amazing and i haven't i i'm very excited about the new doctor so yeah yeah it was, it was crazy good news it's awesome yeah I, I haven't seen any of the new stuff yet I, I haven't watched a lot of doctor who i'll be honest um that's okay but no, it's uh <laughs> it's okay we'll let you off <laughs> but um but no yeah a lot of my friends love it and they're really excited to see the the new episodes yeah um in general you know i'm a big oh well you know one of my nerdiest things is that i'm a huge star trek fan oh nice um so i guess we can throw in the new show in terms of you know things that i would love to work on um I would love to have a Star Trek credit of almost any kind. Yeah, just any of the movies or series or anything. Particularly the series, you know, I'm I grew up in the 90s, so uh all of the, you know, Next Gen and Deep Space 9 and yeah. even Voyager, which I know some people don't like as much, but I love it. No, that was my kind of era as well. It's all good stuff. Yeah. You know, when I did work on Orange, I very briefly uh I got to meet Kate Mulgrew, oh, nice. you know, because she's on the show. And had a, I'm usually pretty good with meeting famous people, but I did have a moment where I was like, oh, you know, Captain Janeway was like a role model for me. Yeah. She was like, okay, you know, let's work. Okay. Um, yeah. Little, uh, little nugget of trivia about myself. I went to uh, Huddersfield University and uh, Patrick Stewart is the chancellor. So he, he handed oh, me wow. my degree. That was a that was a pretty awesome moment. I won't lie. <laughs> that's yeah, that's amazing. So, what advice would you give to someone thinking about a career in audio? So, someone's come out of uni and they're, they're similar position to where you were in in the beginning, and like, well, you know, what do I what do I want to do? Where should I go? And maybe audio is a good choice. Explore lots of avenues. You know, don't 
don't close yourself um, to options. You know, I never thought live sound was going to be my thing. The whole reason I got into that is that I went through a period of um, unemployment <laughs> after I got out of school. And, uh, you know, it was 2008. And Sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and someone said, oh, hey, I'm working at this live venue. Do you have any interest in that? And, you know, I never had before. I had never really thought about live sound, but I kind of figured, well, I don't have anything better to do right now, so why not? And in a lot of ways, like I said, you know, even though it didn't end up being where I ultimately wanted to be, I learned a lot from it. Yeah. And I think that we don't always know exactly where we want to be. You know, I didn't know that I would be working so much with dialogue and that I would like it so much. And I think that it's important to explore and to not have ideas of, well, oh, that's not what I want to do or, oh, that doesn't sound good. You know, just look at all the options and don't be afraid to to yeah to explore and be open to new experiences yeah i think that's great advice i think that pretty much sums up the, the perfect start to looking at where you want to go thanks <laughs> <laughs> so we've spoken a lot about what you've done in the past um what about what you're up to at the moment can you tell us about any projects you're working on at the moment let's see um well i've been working a lot with a company called cereal box okay. um and they put out uh, original content, um, serialized stories, both in written form and in audio. And I've been producing all the audio. So that's, yeah, that's been a lot of fun. It's kind of an interesting kind of podcast, um, thing. Some of them we're looking at possibly adding some sort of music and, you know, music and effects kind of stuff. So that's, that's fun. It's kind of a mix of different skill sets for me. Um, and I've really enjoyed being able to, you know, work through the whole process where I have a lot of contacts in the voiceover world. So, you know, I work on casting it and then we work on the production. I actually, in my Brooklyn apartment, I have a, a booth. I have a triple walled Studio Bricks booth. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. And it's been it's been great. I bring people uh, here and I record them and sometimes for audiobooks, but also for these projects. Um, so, yeah, from everything from casting to then the production and then the post-production um, which we've been looking at expanding has been uh, it's been a really worthwhile experience. And we have a lot of really cool stories. Um, one that recently launched was called, it's called geek actually. And it's kind of like a sex in the city meets it's like a geeky girl, sex in the city. Kinda. Oh, cool. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it's been really topical. You know, they've, they've touched on a lot of subjects that are important to me you know including stuff like gamergate you know yeah. which was hard for a lot of people um and it's got a lot of humor and it's just it's it's a lot of fun and then they have some other um kind of paranormal sci-fi ones that are also really great this one called book burners has got like all sorts of spirits and stuff like that and uh this remade one is sci-fi it's just it's it's been a really that's been a really great experience that I've been up to lately. Um, yeah, that sounds really fun. Yeah, and doing some music composition. That's what I I'm doing here at home at the studio today. I'm scoring a short film that hopefully uh, will come out sometime later this year. Oh, perfect! That sounds amazing. Yeah. So before I ask uh, my final question, I do have a another question for you. Um, obviously, uh, gender is a topic talked about a lot more now in terms of audio roles and how the audio industry has been treating different gender- genders and gender equality. Um, but in terms of your experience, what have you what have you found being a woman in audio? Uh, you know, it varies greatly. 
Um, I think that in general, it's probably a lot less of a thing than it used to be, but there still have been some instances of it throughout my career. I'm not going to lie. Uh, live sound tends to be particularly, you know, male dominated. Yeah. And, um, you know, things like when you're lifting gear, people want to take it out of your hands, you know, and personally I can, I deadlift 205 pounds. So nice. I'm, <laughs> I, I can lift gear, but you know, that's one of those things, um, that sometimes comes up, uh, you know, and in, in various studios, sometimes people will assume, you know, that I'm talent rather than the technician, because right. it's just, it still is pretty rare. You know, the field is still about 95% male. I think I read that somebody, you know, somewhere that that's an actual figure. Wow. Um, yeah, if for whatever reason in dialogue based things, particularly audiobooks, you see more women. Um, I'm not sure why. But it's definitely still a thing. I did have, I remember one internship I had probably back around that same time we were talking about earlier, some maybe 2008. Um, I interned at a post studio in town and there were 10 male interns and me. And I remember I was leaving a little bit later one day with the head uh, engineer and he felt that as interns, we hadn't cleaned the studio to the degree that he would prefer. Right. We're going down in the elevator, and he turns to me and he says, "Well, you're a woman. You're naturally better at that. Do you think you could teach them?" <laughs> <laughs> and you know, um, I call it obliviousness or what. I just was so, I I waited a beat because I thought, you know, surely that's got to be, a yeah, joke. or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I kind of like, my head and I look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I was like, really? You know, I thought I thought all of you were dead. Like, <laughs> this is still a thing. Oh, you know, it's almost quaint. So I just looked at him and I said, Oh, sure, you know, and then I could make you a sandwich afterwards. How would that be? And <laughs> oh, nice. He just sort of looks at me and then, you know, I walked off on my way. But um so that sort of thing, I mean, it, it occasionally still does happen, but I think for the most part there might, you know, there are still some hurdles where I think people might be more apt to believe that maybe you don't completely know what you're talking about, but there are still opportunities, you know, and if yeah. you, if you just sort of, you know, work hard, most people who aren't jerks will, you know, <laughs> yeah. give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, I, I don't want to be naive here, but it is changing still. Absolutely. Um, and for the better, which is always good. Um, slowly but surely, I think, though, is is the only downside. It's, it's not changing fast enough. Yeah, I mean, we just, you know, more ladies. Come on, ladies. <laughs> Let's jump in and, and, and get it going. And eventually, you know, I mean, you change people's minds about stereotypes by showing them examples to prove that they're wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what I try to do. <laughs> and, and what would you think just be, before I, before I go into the last question? What do you think would encourage more women to apply for audio? I think that they just I think that just well just encouragement, you yeah. know. I think that it's important to to stop using words like sound guy for instance. That might seem like a silly thing, but you know, to make it to make it clear to people that this is not something that's just for guys you know it's for everybody yeah exactly and i think that those barriers just need to be sort of explicitly broken down <laughs> you know it might it might seem silly to say like you know women welcome to apply or whatever but i think that it can help you know to 
to make it completely clear to everyone that everybody is welcome. Yeah, and I think one of the the hardest things, and I'll admit it's even difficult for me to know how to approach it, um, is in terms of like acknowledgement of the problem as well, you know, rather than glazing over it because we're too scared to discuss it or whatever. I think I think you're right in terms of the fact that it has to be acknowledged and therefore you can say, look, you know, we want to encourage more women to, to apply. We want more women in our numbers and things like that. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, as a woman in the industry, it's not like we don't know yeah. <laughs> there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's totally okay, you know, to talk about it and to mention it, frankly. And I think that in some ways when you do that for any problem, that's sort of the first step in making it go away. Yeah, so. of course, yeah. Um, but we're getting there slowly and hopefully the more people that are switched on, I think it's almost a generation thing as well. Um, in terms of the old guard are kind of dying out with their old ways of thinking and not everyone thought like that anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think it's definitely part of it. Yeah. You know, a lot of the, the traditionalists, for example. For sure. For sure. As things almost, you know, as with any attitude, yeah, as time marches forward, everything changes. Yeah. And that's usually for the better. Yeah. And, uh, and hopefully it continues so. Yeah. Now, going on from a possibly heavy topic onto a, a really fun, lighted heart question, uh, lighthearted question to finish off with here as well. Nice. So uh, to finish off, if you could hang out with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be? Oh, boy. Like, okay, so sound related or just, you know, anyone? Anyone. Could even be like, I don't know, Mozart or, or someone. Oh, boy. Throughout the entirety of time that's man this would have been a good question to get ahead of time <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry put you on the spot with this one that's okay oh geez let's see you know alive i think i would really like to hang out with neil degrasse tyson yeah he'd be awesome and he's in new york too so i feel like oh, really? i need to find some i think he is is he well because i'm pretty sure he is i have no I idea know. so I'm not stalking him or anything. So I'm not sure. <laughs> He's backpedaling. I mean, I think he is. Uh... <laughs> I'm outside his apartment right now. No. Um, let's see. That would be pretty cool. Uh, dead, maybe off the top of my head. I don't know. Freddie Mercury. Oh, I think that yeah. would be fun. Yeah, he'd be a good choice. Yeah. I bet he's awesome to go drinking with. Yeah, I bet. He'd have so many stories and ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, that's all the questions I have for you today. Thanks very much for joining us. And uh, we look forward to hearing more of your work in the future. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Sound Architect podcast, sponsored by Krotos Limited, creators of Simple Monsters and Dehumanizer. Don't forget, you can also catch all of our great reviews and other articles at our website at www.thesoundarchitect.co.uk. If you would like to support The Sound Architect, please check out our sponsorship link as well as our Patreon.